So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back to another episode of Running Rugby Podcast, and we've got our Super Rugby Round 1 preview show, and I am Archie, as always, here with you and joined by Leo and Toby. Uh, plenty to discuss from the last two weeks, though. We have the Sydney Sevens results, New Zealand taking double honours there, um, England on top after two rounds of the Six Nations, uh, the Major League Rugby starting in New Orleans gold, a perfect three from three, while Rapid Rugby's been delayed another year. New contracts to Falau, four more years, but we've lost Bernie Larkin for the Wallabies as well. However, we might just start and we'll move to the Twitterverse and a bit of controversy coming up over last weekend. Uh, we had Matt Gitto put a photo up of himself, commentator Drew Mitchell and Curtly Beale of the Waratahs at a 2020 cricket game in Canberra with Drew and KB holding up a couple of beers. Toby, what were your thoughts about this photo? Mate, I was just a little bit perturbed by the fact that I saw Kurtley, even if it was one beer, having a beer in the preseason a week out from the game. That kind of threw me off a bit. I tweeted out the photo and just basically called him out on it and said, what are you doing? You know, I didn't have the full context of the situation, but at the time I thought, you know what, this seems a little bit off from my perspective and it's not really he's going against maybe club regulations or anything like that. I just thought, you know, if I saw someone like Tom Brady you know, sitting with Tony Romo at an NBA game, having a beer one week out from the first Patriots game of the season, I kind of question, I think, a little bit Tom Brady's seriousness or his kind of motivation towards that, you know, forthcoming game or the year in general. And the fact that Kurtley hasn't played any preseason games and now there's been a bit of a suggestion that he's going to come off the bench this weekend, you know, and that could be mostly match fitness, to be honest, but... It calls into question a little bit in a World Cup year how serious and how motivated Kirtley was at this point in time. And look, at maybe nothing. It struck me at the time that it just didn't look right. And um, you know what? I called him out and and it kind of stirred the pot a little bit. Yeah, and, and we want to we wanna be engaging as much with players and, and guys around the rugby as we can. Um, I think I, I saw it a little bit differently. I'd maybe give them the better for the doubt that it's not much. And, and you're right, there's a lot of factors here, like World Cup year, best behaviour, complete focus. That's what we hope to see from our rugby professionals. The 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 one week out, it's in the pre-season, he hasn't played. You can definitely piece it together and, and see, hang on, maybe maybe this is not the best thing for him and, and for the guys. Now, on my personal opinion, having a beer at the cricket, not an issue, um, particularly if you look at it conversely it's a big year there's probably a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and if this is his weekend off and he wants to go and have a a couple of light beers at the cricket with his mates as long as he limits it to that it's not going to have any harm or effect on him personally or his his conditioning or anything and and that might be some really valuable downtime with good friends good support um which which helps him prepare for the season so i don't have any issue with that Uh, i think we've got some consensus here that Perhaps, uh, it, it, just even the way it elicited our own reaction, um, that having your mates post photos of, of you having a beer at the cricket can call into question your commitment to your pre-season and your, and your conditioning and, and your preparations. And mm. if anything down the line comes out like this weekend, if he's off the bench and then the following week he's still off the bench and we think he's looking all right, but it feels like he's just being held back for some reason, there will always be opportunity to create a story and say, well, actually, look, he wasn't. You know, we think, we think, investigative journalism style, that piece all this together, we think he's being punished. And as a player, you don't, you definitely don't want to add any fuel and any evidence to that sort of story. So probably best case would for them would have been have a photo at the cricket, but hide, you know, don't, don't have the beers in them. If someone takes a photo of them having beers at the cricket, well, they can't really control that. Um, but for me, I don't think it's a problem to have a couple of beers at the cricket. Um, it's just the the storylines we can build from a photo like that, 
with with what happens later in the season, it may um, build a different story than than the truth of what Kirtley's prep's been like this preseason. Like it or not, for these professional athletes, your life is on display, sort of things, and things always going to come out, and people, and you don't want to give any ammunition to, especially Australian media media regarding like the rugby players and things like they'll go after it. They love a story about whether it's rugby league, rugby union, about anyone like that. And you've seen even Curly Beale's been involved in these old videos coming up sort of from multiple years ago, earlier this year, sort of starting to come out. And there's been no sort of evidence of any wrongdoing on his behalf or any sort of sanctions being put on by Rugby Australia. But he does have to be aware that people might use things like a photo like this to point to a week down the track if he, if he doesn't play well. The only thing I would say, I think, yeah, it's, we've also got to be mindful not to ex- extrapolate out from a snapshot in time and, and make assumptions. We've got to have context. And we're not always privy to, to that full context. I think it was the timing of it, the fact that, yeah, like you say, Arch, in January, there were a couple of videos that came out. I just thought, it's not KB's Twitter as well. Let's point that out. That's It's Gitto's Twitter. Yeah. He put up the image. So KB might not even know he was going to do that at the time. So I don't think we can blame KB really for lack of judgment because he didn't control that situation. But also the guys around him, I think, you know, Drew Mitchell's a commentator probably needs to be a bit more aware of, of what he's doing as well in a professional context and the people that he's with and how certain behavior impacts them, I think, as well. And mm-hmm. for Gitz probably thought nothing of it and nothing, I think, will come of this. But it's just an interesting thing to note at this point in the season. Um, we'll see how KB plays this weekend. You know, I have no doubts that he'll perform. And I, and I would say that, you know, wholeheartedly i think that he's he's on the bench if he's on the bench it's going to be because he's come back from a big year with the wallabies mm. and you got karma on sitting there who's you know been playing the preseason he's a good 12 he's a hard defender against the big hurricanes midfield you bring on kb as a, a more of a you know utility player so i can see that working as well so look i'm looking forward to this weekend i think the waratahs hurricanes game is going to be amazing um, but yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on KB and see how he goes. So that's that's right. The first the first round is is now pro- upon us. Only a couple of days away, and yeah, I can't wait to get back into it. Get back into the flow of things. We've got um, three of the four Australian teams playing with the Reds on by. Um, but just for this whole Super Rugby season, I wanted to ask you boys: like, is there any storyline you're going to be following more closely than any others? Is there one thing that you're going to be sort of seeing how that plays out and be really interested how that plays out this season? I think last season when we, we posed a similar question and I talked about the Reds and I think for me that's I'm still excited to see how they're coming along. But rather than rather than do a repeat of last season and since I'm going to have to wait a week to see some Reds football anyway, um, I'm quite interested in seeing how our forwards candidates for, for the World Cup squad play out because we've got a mix of... Young guys getting opportunities, uh, established warhorses um, still playing their tra- still playing their trade and, and trying to lead their teams around the park, but also some people like uh, Luke Jones for the Rebel who's coming coming back from overseas and throwing his name in the ring to say, you know, you guys don't really have the whole deep set of locks and like real real depth in that position. Mm. Can a guy like Luke Jones usurp our at what we would have had as our first pick last season because I don't think anything's really too settled this year. It's a World Cup year and you'd like to be in the position where all the national teams are looking pretty settled and you might get a couple of bolters in around the fringes. But I don't think the Wallabies is like that, is in that position at all. I think the Wallabies are still probably looking for a couple of people to stand up and, and claim a spot. And the the interesting storyline, particularly in the forwards this year, there's plenty of backs talent. It's just it's just permutations of how they lay them out. The forwards, I think, there's some real there's some real interesting gaps, particularly in the front row and the second row, who who might reappear, who might step up and and claim a spot who we weren't talking about last year. So Luke Jones, you're thinking about in the second row or maybe in the back row somewhere. What, what what's one up and coming name you're keeping your eye on for the forward um, front row? Does someone like James Slipper get a rebirth now that he's moved team and is, mm-hmm. is he going to win his way back in? Because yeah. he's an established player, a lot of caps, mm-hmm. and he's been overlooked. And, and it's 
through lack of opportunity, a bit of indiscretion last year, but it seems like he's got past that. We always give these guys benefit of the doubt. Uh, coming back in, they've, they've been given a contract, they're getting an opportunity, so we hope that they perform and, and get that opportunity, make the most of it. Yeah, so James James Slipper in the front row, Luke Jones in the second, maybe back row. Um, I'd like to see these guys, particularly the ones shifting between four, five, and maybe six, settled into a position this year. That'd be something I would hope Checker's telling his coaches to stop shifting these guys around, mm-hmm. try and lock them into a preferred position so they can really demonstrate their skills for that role. What about you, Toby? Anything that you're keeping your own excited to see for this year? Well, I think the storyline here at the moment is probably the Rebels and the amount of talent again that they have. And primarily for me, Quade Cooper, to see how he actually fits in back into Super Rugby after missing last year. He hasn't been quite the same in the last, say, three or four years. So it's whether he can really regather that form that he had back, you know, around 2011, 2012, um, when he was playing for the Wallabies consistently and kind of force his way back into that Wallabies setup. Um, look, I think he's in a, a perfect environment with a, a good coach and a settled team now around him um, and his old mate Will Genia there yeah. passing in the ball. So he's got the best environment that he you know, probably could have within a, an Australian Super Rugby franchise. Now it's just time for him to perform and um, get rid of some of those critics that, that have kind of, I guess, come out of the woodwork in the last few years against him because mm. um, I think he still has a lot of talent. It's just whether he has the speed... That he, that he used to have to really break through defences and, and also his defence probably. You've got to make sure that he's defending in the front line there. And couldn't you also make the similar argument for Carmichael Hunt? So this was this was going to be my caveat to the Reds was it's going to be really exciting to see Quade Cooper, James Slipper and Carmichael Hunt. They've spun out to the other three Super Rugby sides. They're going to have um, revenge matches against the Reds to show that they're still up to the, the rigours of Super Rugby. Carmichael Hunt, like you're saying for Quade, in a great situation if he can make it into that back line. He's got Wallabies all around him. Every opportunity to show how well he jigsaws in to an established Wallabies-Halves pairing and and the playmakers out wide as well. I would say that Carmichael is, from my perspective, if he stays injury-free and you know he, he kind of keeps his off-field um, behaviour on track, I think that he's guaranteed... He's a lock for that Wallabies squad, I would say. Um, he's just such a talented guy in terms of defence and attack. I'd love to see him. Whether he gets a start in the Wallabies is another thing, but mm. no, I'd like to see him there somewhere in, in the 23. I think Quaid is it's a tougher task for Quaid, um, but similarly, he's got the talent there, and I think you know it's just he's got to play consistently, and he'll he'll probably get picked. The other point I just want to raise quickly would be in terms of our back row. Um, from a Wallabies perspective, primarily, we need a, someone who's more of a ball carrier in that back row. Um, so I think, from my perspective, Jed Holloway is probably going to play second row for the Tars, but I think he's a chance to feature probably more significantly is, is he nice, nice Rani from the yes. Rebels. And also, I mean, Rob Valentini um, and Jack Dempsey, they're probably the four names that I would mm. I'd put in there somewhere, whether you play them at six or eight. Um, I think we need, you know, one of those dudes there in, in, in the back row because to make Pocock the primary ball carrier in that back row for the Wallabies when Hooper, you know, he's not really a big enough body to be breaking the line. I think we need a bigger guy there who's going to carry the ball. So I think one of those guys will be will be picked. Mm-hmm. Are you no longer thinking about Caleb Timu? Or have you just... Um. Look, think I think, think it's. I feel right. like the, the Reds aren't thinking about Caleb Timu that much. They're not playing like he wasn't starting their preseason game. They were going for Higginbotham over the top of him. They were going for Angus Scott Young. They were going for Liam Wright. So, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I reckon. The, what were you doing with your eye there, Leo? That was really creepy. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like okay. you were having a seizure. We could only see half your face. Yeah. Um, I think Caleb Timu is at risk of falling into the same kind of position that Scott Higginbotham has fallen into where he's inconsistent and he gets picked and he doesn't perform and you do you pick him again he doesn't perform and then he just mm. you know he gets kind of touted as one of those guys who can't really step up at the top level because um, I think he's a quality player um, but he's he, still he very young still very qualities. raw yeah and I, yeah it's it's good to have these guys that we know look they have potential 
Um, and I think one out of six of these guys or five of these guys is going to really rise to the top. Um, we've seen it a bit with Jack Dempsey already. Now that Nicerani is going to be eligible, I think that's massive. Mm. Um, so really exciting to see some of those back row prospects come through and you know really push guys like Cooper and Pocock. Definitely, definitely. And for me, I reckon Quaid's going to make it into the Wallabies this year. I reckon you'll see him even in the rugby championship coming off the bench uh, a couple of times because they'll just want to shore up that number 10 position. Now, the other question I wanted to ask you boys before we get into the actual previews of this week, um, there's been a lot of sort of things coming out about, you know, this year they're going to be resting some players some more. They're going to be making sure people are fit for the World Cup. If you were Michael Checker, what's the thing you would be telling your super rugby coaches? What would you want to say to them? So I kind of led to this earlier, but one, one, one of two things, I, I know we're going to hear all the normal, oh, we, we're focused on fitness and conditioning and like that's, that's always the talk in the, in the World Cup lead up. Like, like just being able to last 80 minutes at whatever level you're at is going to do the job for you. So that's going to happen, but that's not what I'm saying I think Checker should be talking about. I want him to, to be talking to his super coaches which it's awesome having this alignment if that's in fact where we're headed or where we've got to. Um, he needs to tell them where he wants certain players who are living an ambiguous life. Am I a back row or a second row? Am I a, a center or a 10? Am I a fullback? Am I a winger? Or whatever it is. And say, this is where we see this guy's skills fitting our Wallabies lineup. I need you to play him in this position or one of these two, not allow them to be scattered around because... You can't use someone like a Reese Hodge in four different positions through this season mm. and expect him to be well set up to play a play a single position in the World Cup. I mean, maybe he's the maybe he's the exception because he is the utility. But you you can you can keep making that excuse. But I feel like we're just creating all these um, you know eighty percent proficient jack of all trades and none of these a hundred percent dedicated specialist guys. Uh, and I think that's to our detriment. It's a bit of like the cricketers all-rounder syndrome. Let's just let's just pick some guys that are good at the one thing, and and develop them really s- strongly in that on that angle. And hopefully that's something we can do now that we've got that alignment. And and actually, on and on top of that, the the Super Rugby coaches seem to have a bit of a, a should have the backing of Rugby Australia because they're all getting contracts for years beyond this year. So we've got Wessels signed for a couple more years. Um, Daryl Gibson's just signed on for next year at least, I think, yeah, Arch. Yeah, 2020. And half, halfway through last year, the Reds management were, tr- were talking about trying to sign Brad Thorne to a 10-year head coaching contract. Now, I don't know if that actually happened. I don't think it did. No, but no. their intent there is we want, we want to give you the support and the confidence that you're going to be our guy. So if you're going to try anything different and unusual, we're not going to drop you over the one poor season if it doesn't come off. Do your experimentation, but for Checker particularly, pick and stick, lock players into positions and make sure that they're getting lots of reps in that role. Yeah, look, I think that's a really good point, particularly that you make with um, selecting guys in their you know, ideal positions for the national setup. I think that really, you know, that's going to stand us in much better stead if that occurs, if there's a little bit more oversight um, with these franchises. From my perspective... I think I'm going to go a little bit more vanilla here. I think defence is really important. I think we need to have a focus on that across the board. I think if we get defence right, the Australian teams, we've got enough talent offensively to score points. Um, I'm not worried about the Wallabies scoring points, really, even though we've come off the back of a pretty lean season in that regard. I think, though, you know, if we're going to beat the All Blacks or England or teams like that, we've got to be keeping them to like 20 points maximum. Because last season, we were leaking 30, 40 points to these top teams, and it's just not acceptable. And it really doesn't give us a, a realistic chance of winning games you know, at a, at a good percentage. So I think defence is massive. I think the Reds will be leading the way with that. Um, I think the Brumbies will be pretty good as well. The Waratahs need to step up their game. I saw Nathan Gray was kind of liaising with the Waratahs this week. Um, not really sure if that's a good or bad thing at the moment. I think he was pretty lucky to hang on to his job with the Wallabies. But, um, look, I think across the board, Waratahs Rebels need to improve on their defence, but I think the Brumbies and Reds, look, have kind of got that mindset around their defensive structures. So 
very important in a World Cup year, but um, you know, there's there's going to be so many storylines we're going to cover uh, along the season. But I think defense is is really key. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on because yeah, there's always been a problem in Super Rugby, and it seems to echo through to Wallabies as well. Often, look, let's get into round one and. Look, this year we are going to be doing some um, our tipping on the show and we're going to be inviting you guys to sign up to Superbrew, uh, S-U-P-E-R-B-R-U.com um, and join us and see if you can tip against us and beat us. Um, just joining our pool at the Running Rugby podcast and you can see how you, you fare up against well, us, us experts, as we like to say. Um, but round one, we've got the Reds on by, as I said. The first Aussie derby we have is on Friday night coming out of Canberra and it's the Brumbies versus the Rebels. And the preseason fixture for this one, didn't the Brumbies get up over the Rebels? They did, yeah. So obviously different different lineups, I'm sure. There'll be huge changes, a lot of stars coming back in, a lot of uh, fresh legs from the, the Wallabies camp. The guys have been given a bit of extra time to get prepped for the season. Um, Rebels playing at the Brumbies and, uh, again... We're always cursed with trying to podcast early in the week and not seeing the lineups, but it's going to be very difficult for the Brumbies without a strong defence to hold out this Rebels lineup forwards and backs. Like the the, the forwards might be in a similar kind of um, similar kind of level; they might compete well. I'm hoping we see some good scrummaging because we've got a lot of Wallabies candidates uh, in the mix in the front row there, particularly. Um, but if the if the Brumbies can't hold fast with their, their strong line out and scrum and and defend these rebels and keep them below probably two or maybe a third try. I think the Brumbies are really going to struggle to put points on the board. They just don't look like they've got a settled back line. There's not a lot of names we're familiar with. Mm. Hopefully that means we, we learn learn a lot about some new players and we see a lot of talent that they've recruited. But uh, my concern would be that if they can't keep the Rebels down below 20 points, that they're just not going to have the attacking chops to, to put 20-something on themselves. Yeah, we saw how hot the Rebels started off last year, and they started off really strong, and especially in their attack, you're right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether they can do that same thing this year with, with a few more names. And as we said, we'll be keeping a close eye on people like Quade Cooper, and, and it's a revenge game for Izzy Nisarani going back to Canberra. Yeah, this one, I think it's going to be a great game. I, Again, I think the Brumbies in their back line are going to struggle, I think, compared to the Rebels that have a lot lot, lot more big names. But I think the Ford pack, the Brumbies actually might have the edge. So, again, I think in different, different departments, these teams are going to have slight advantages. But, look, I think the Rebels beat the Brumbies two out of two last year and they had a pretty narrow victory at, over the, the Brumbies in Canberra. I, I think the the rebels are good enough to do this, but again, it's it's hard to really know. Preseason doesn't tell you a whole lot about these teams generally because they rest people and they rotate so much. Mm. Um, but the rebels, I'm I'm not sure they'll get the same start as they had last year. But you know what? It's it's a hard place to win in Canberra still, and I think um, the rebels are going to be tested. But I think they're good enough with the talent they have there that they should get up. They'll probably be pretty happy as well that they're going to Canberra early in the season. So weather-wise, is not going yeah. to be the frigid conditions of, of mid-season. It, it should be a good opportunity to throw the ball around, warm hands, really really have a go early in the season, um, try out a whole lot of new new plays, new tactics. Um, and they should know the Brumbies' outfit inside out, just like the Brumbies should know a lot of the Rebels' players pretty well, whether they'll be able to uh, predict predict the, the style of play and and attack the weak points we'll yet to see. Arch, have you got the mail on Pocock and whether he's going to play or not? Because I think that would be a, a massive thing for the Brumbies, obviously, whether he's available. I heard some inklings that he was still battling a couple of injuries. Yeah, I think there was a bit of a thought that he had picked up a bit of a strain during the Wallabies preseason camp. And the fact that we haven't seen him on the park at all for any of these preseason fixtures and... Even the Brumbies last hit out against the Waratahs in Goulburn last week. Um, I would think that it's likely that he's not going to get on the field for this first game. So that means it is probably left to someone like Tom Cusack or someone to take the number seven role. Or Pete Samu potentially if they're going to play him at seven throughout the year. So 
does damage them a little bit. I just wanted to ask you guys, you guys say, oh, they might struggle in the back line. Is that more in attack or defence? You don't think they're going to be able to defend the the Rebels coming forward or you just don't think they'll be able to bring bring enough to score enough points? I think probably more in attack than defence. I think Kurandrani's in really... He looks really good at the moment. It's still probably the 10 and 12 channel what they do there, seeing as though they've lost Cole Godwin. But I think at 13... I don't think like I think the rebels have a lot of talent. They will score points regardless of how well you defend. But I think just in attack, I think still the Brumbies are forming those combinations. And maybe I'll, maybe we'll get surprised. Guys like Tony Pulu could start. Um, you know, he could score a couple of tries. One of the fastest guys in Super Rugby. And you've got talent in Banks and Muirhead, guys like that. Spate, of course. But I just think. The Rebels out, outgun them in the backs. Um, I think this potentially could be a pretty high-scoring game, um, but as long as the conditions are good. But, yeah, look, I think Brumbies probably struggle to score as many points as the Rebels. I think both teams should defend pretty well. So SBS News came out last night, and David Pocock has been declared fit to start and is looking to slot straight back into that starting lineup for the Brumbies this week. So that's that's pretty important. I agree with Toby. Like having Pocock there, he's he's a talismanic player, and he he will definitely help the guys lift. So the back line, like you've you've who's who's going to be a game breaking attacking players for the Brumbies? Like someone like Henry Spate, very hot cold in in different games mm. last year. Sometimes he'd score two or three tries and just look amazing. But you've still got to get the ball to him and create a situation where he has a bit of open space to to make his moves. Um, but he's also a bit of a liability in defence. We see him rushing up in in defence when he's sort of a three-on-one, rushing up on the wide man, leaving a huge channel down the inside, not playing the ball. I think uh, Henry Spade has a history of that type of behaviour in defence. Uh, you know, we groaned at it when we saw it last year. I, you can say unless it's, he's fixed that up, look, he hasn't changed in years, so I doubt that will have changed. If he has a bad game, this Rebels outfit will torch them and even their inside defence all the way to Kurindrani won't be the spot where they're, they'll attack. Oh, sorry, in, in attack, they need to be able to get the ball out to someone like Spade or Tony Pulu or, or Kurindrani. I just think the, the Rebels outfit will be too strong in defence as well. So I, th- I think they're going to struggle to score points mm-hmm. and they might be able to hold back the Rebels for a while, but it, it sort of depends on a few key players like Spate holding up their end of the bargain. Yeah. So what are you boys thinking in terms of tips for this game? Sounds like you guys are leaning towards the Rebels. Yeah, I'm definitely favouring the Rebels. They've, they've got the two games last season. Early season, they were very strong last year. Dave West is going to have them well drilled. And I just think they've got the, the stock there. They'll come in with some confidence. They'll look at the team sheets and they'll probably see themselves as the stronger lineup on paper. And confidence is a lot. Brumby's at home. But I just don't think they can quite match up to the Rebels. I see Rebels by single digits. Yeah, I'm with you, Leo. I like the Rebels. We've talked about this many times. So much talent there. I think they're going to actually piece it all together this year. I think Genny is going to be there. Cooper's going to be there for the first week. Um, and they've got a plethora of backs to pick from. Um, I think the only place the Rebels are going to be tested probably is their front row against the Brumbies that are kind of forming a bit of a Crusaders-like talent pool for their props and... And hookers there, I think um, they're looking very good up front and maybe even more generally in the tight five. But I think it's going to be a, a really good tight tussle. Um, but I think Rebels probably have too many tries in them and I'm, I'm going to take them. It's interesting. You guys are both on the Rebels. I'm just looking at the odds. The Brumbies are $1.67 favourites in this game. So the rest of the world's thinking the Canberra, the home turf, is enough to get the Brumbies over it. That's why we're the best. It's tempting me to take Brumbies, but I think I'm going to stick with my my original pick and not be trying to just pick the upset against you boys. I, I think the Rebels as well. I think they're, they've got enough. They've got the second year um, in the Dave Wessel system. They're slotting people in nicely, and they're going to have the right number of people ready. They won't have Reese Hodge for this game. He's still coming back from that ankle um, fracture that he suffered last year. Um, but Dane Haylett-Petty is coming out, and he'll be starting at 15 and captaining them. Um, but I think we all agree that Will Genny and Quaid—that's that's the real hinge of this team, and they'll they'll lead the this team around well. So I think you're right. I think Rebels. 
next um, War- Waratahs v Hurricanes on Saturday night, and it's the first of this Waratahs sort of um, no nomadic Traveling tour. Circus. Yeah, nomadic tour they're doing. So they're going to Brookvale, Upper Manly, um, playing playing the Hurricanes. It's a really tough game to start off their season. Yeah, Hurricanes with a very settled outfit. Um, and obviously strong contenders last year didn't quite get through to the final, but um, very strong side. Waratahs with a bit of change this year. Um, the back line should be fairly settled, I suppose, with, with maybe a couple of new players looking to try and break that starting side. In the forwards, we've still got um, a pretty, again, a pretty settled group. We've got more competition in the back row, which is great with Jack Dempsey fighting fit to start the season. So, again, interesting to see where they fit someone like Ned Hannigan in. I, my concern is still with our locks. I don't think Rob Simmons and, and Staniforth are, are going to be world beaters uh, this season or any other season from here on. So, if they can shore up the scrum and, and keep the line out together, it should be close. Uh, I think the, the Hurricanes are probably just too professional, too many stars, and they'll come in. And, and we won't have any home ground really advantage I don't feel at Brookvale. There's no history there particularly, so um, it might just feel uh, less less uh, home for Waratahs and that might lose that edge we would usually get from a game at the SFS. I heard actually that Brookvale, they, they're probably going to set a record for the crowd. Yeah, they're, it's trying gonna, to, they're almost sold out. Yeah, so it's, it's looking like it might actually beat any sort of record set by the Seagulls, which is pretty interesting. Um, for the Waratahs just to roll in and do that, but Canes are such a such an attacking team. So many threats across the park. They've lost a few few forwards. I think they've lost a couple of second rowers. Um, so they're probably their tight five isn't as strong as it could be, but I think it's still stronger than the the Tars tight five. And I think that's where up front, I think the Tars might struggle a little bit here. Um, if the if the Canes can get some you know, go forward in their forwards, then you start to unleash those those guys in the backs. And I think, I'm not sure, I think Bodie might be out. I think Bowden's mm. not playing, but I don't think that's going to matter. Even if Jackson Garden Bashup starts at 10, um, I think, you know what, they've got too many threats across the park in that back line. This should be a high-scoring game, I think. Um, hopefully the Tars can put in a good showing, but I think the Canes will have too much too much firepower and I think they're gonna they're gonna get over the top of the Tars yeah I did hear that Bowden Barrett is likely not to suit up in this game you're right Hurricanes have lost a couple of key members around like people like Brad Shields Julian Savia has gone from there but they've all they've still got that world-class back line there um while the Waratahs have been suffering a few injuries and especially in their props they've lost a couple of people out with um, people like Shembek Lavui's got a Liz Frank fracture now, um, so he's going to be out for a fair while. And we've also got um... you've got brother Talakai coming in to cover him, who's played Sydney Uni with Tolu. Um, mm. I think Chris Talakai, Sam Talakai's brother. Yep, that's right. Um, but Tom, and Tom Robinson got... isn't going to be there either because he's still recovering from H... ACL. I think HJH has a pretty good. He'll start, chance of being a star this year. I think he's a really, you know, he's got a lot of potential. He's a mobile forward. He can carry the ball. He can pass the ball. He's decent at scrum time. Um, it's whether Kepu has so many miles on him now at tight head that he's going to struggle to hold down that position with such a lack of depth there. So a bit worried about that, but I think hopefully Tolu can play well. Um, but, I, yeah, it's just tough with that. Those two two other key members of that front row kind of missing at the moment. Yeah, so it's going to be tough, and the the betting also reflects that Waratahs at three dollars twenty to win this game. Um, so it's it's a bit of disrespect early on. Um, it would make a big difference to I think all the Australian Super Rugby teams if the Tars could come out first game of the season and put some points on and take a win away against someone like the Hurricanes. And I think it would definitely feel like a bit of a changing of the guard. So assuming KB's on the bench, you probably and Phipps is out as well. Let's note that as well. He's he's yep. injured. Yeah. Uh, so you're gonna we have want Jake Gordon Jake, anyway. You're gonna have Jake starting, so we'll be happy about that. You have Bernard there, hopefully, if he's not, you know, suffering luck of, lack of match fitness as well. Mm-hmm. But then you've got Carmichael there at twelve, you've probably got Curtis Rona maybe at thirteen. Or, or Adam Ashley Cooper potentially. Not, Adam Ashley Cooper, sorry, he'll actually start yeah, at thirteen. Because they want his defence, I think. And then you've Keep got... forgetting he's actually back. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And Curtis then he, Rona maybe on one wing. Yeah, Curtis Rona and then Cam. Um, Cam oh, Clark. You think Cam Clark other... Newsom. I was thinking Newsom, but um, maybe it'll be Cam. I think they like Cam Clark enough, and then they'll have Falau at the back there. The, the what I'm yeah. is, I want to see is what they do in their back row because Will Miller has been captaining this team throughout all the preseason, and I would be very surprised if they take him straight from captaining this team to on to the bench because of Michael Hooper. I have a feeling they might line up Will Miller, Jack Dempsey, and Michael Hooper as their back row for this first game. I agree. I think they'll sit. I think they'll sit Hannigan on the bench. Possibly covering Locke and number six. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that, that's the advantage you get with him too, which isn't a bad thing. And they don't have Michael Wells anymore to, to fit in the mix, and he was a good unsung hero oh, last no, no, year. No, they got Wells back, I think. Did they? No. I thought he was playing back. sevens now. No. Oh, really? He's, okay. I saw him um, at the Sydney sevens playing for Australia. He's on their team. No, now. no, no, but I thought he was coming back into the Tars setup at some point. Maybe that's not correct, but... Oh, I'll bet that now, okay. but I'm, I'm not sure that's happening. Yeah, well, I think, look, Jed is going to start in the second row with Simmons. So I think that's probably okay, it's passable. And then you're probably going to have Staniforth on the bench, which it's not great if that's your backup lock. So you probably have you probably have Ned Hannigan and, and Staniforth on the bench there, maybe covering the loose forwards in um, second row. And then, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I think the bench is going to lack a bit of quality there overall look i think it's a decent starting lineup for the tars you know there could be some surprises in there but you know we do have a few key injuries so i think that's going to impact us probably in the first few weeks of the season and new combinations too like we know adam ashley cooper is a good player we know curtis rona can hold up a position we know um carmichael hunt uh in his in his best form is is a world-class player but putting them all side by side in a back line where you know they've only really been together for a month, maybe, and how many games they played together in that time, not many. I think that's the weakness is that not that the individuals don't have the potential, but this that we're not going to have the combinations there, particularly in defence. So just betting what Michael Wells' contract with um, Sydney with the Sevens is, and he's made himself available for the first six Sevens tournaments of the year. So that means he's got another four tournaments to play, and then he'll likely be returning for the Waratahs after that. Okay. All right. So he probably will give. He'll only get a couple of months, maybe, with the Waratahs, and he may just be used as a bit of a backup, depending on injuries. But he's probably Mm. the fittest man alive. So you know, he could play every minute if he needed to. Yeah. So definitely be a bolster coming in second half of the season. So is anyone tipping the Waratahs in this one, or is everyone going to take the Hurricanes even at Brookvale? No. Give me the. Give me the. Give me the Canes. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm, I'm. It's kind of the you tip you tip what you feel is probably going to happen, but at least this way, if I'm wrong, the Waratahs win, and I can be happy about that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'm going to have to join you there. I'm not not willing to take a punt this early in the season. You got to go with the uh, the history of the Hurricanes, and they they're definitely the team that you don't think that they're going to come out half cocked in this first game of the season. So other games that we should have a quick chat about. Um, the first game of the actual season will be Chiefs Highlanders on Friday night. That's coming out of Waikato, and the Chiefs bolstered by Stephen Donald coming back into the fray this year. Oh, there's that, but also uh, there's a certain certain man who's no longer there at the Hurricane at the sorry at the Highlanders at number ten. Yeah, Sopoanga. Bye bye. Sopoanga. So no Sopoanga. I just I, I don't know. I haven't spent a lot of time looking at the New Zealand teams. Yet this season, so I'll be looking at the team list. But I'm, I'm thinking the the Chiefs will have um, a lot more um, settled lineups there and, and better combinations. The Highlanders will be finding their way early in the season. Hopefully, not taking too long to to find some form because they're going to have to be competing strongly straight away to to try and stay up in that New Zealand conference. But I'll, I'll be taking the Chiefs in this one. Yeah, it's definitely going to be one to to see the team sheets for because. Jack Debrasini has been starting all the trial games at 10 for the Chiefs, um, and that could be really just a ploy to rest McKenzie early on in the season. But, you know, it could be that McKenzie goes back to 15 and they start Jack Debrasini if they're impressed enough with him at 10. So that could be massive for, 
for Jack personally, but be an interesting move by the Chiefs. And similarly with the Highlanders, it's probably a battle between Bryn Gatland and Marty Banks at 10 for the Highlanders. Um, I have a feeling they might go with Marty Banks. This is He's a bit more of a veteran, and Britt Gatland might take a bit more time to get up to speed with the way the Highlanders play. Um, Highlanders still have plenty of talent across the board, but I think, yeah, at home, the Chiefs, look, they had a good season last year. They probably overperformed, and I think even though they've lost some key guys like Liam Messam, Charlie Nightar, guys like that, I think the Chiefs will still have enough to get over a Highlanders team early on in the season. It'll be interesting to see because, as you say, Highlanders forwards still are a potent, potent pack there. And we saw the Chiefs absolutely get dominated in their scrum when they went up to play that trial game against the Reds. And obviously the Reds have a very strong forward pack, but they were walking all over them. We'll see if the Chiefs can get back and stand up. But I think you're right. I'm going to have to go with the, the home field advantage to start off the year, um, especially especially with the losses of Boeing for the Highlanders. I think that that's a very big loss that we can't understate. So it sounds like Leo's going to have to leave us in a sec. So before you go, Leo, let's take us through your other tips. So um, that was Chiefs then, and the Blues Crusaders, who are you tipping there? So my, my strategy early in the season, look at last year's results and, and look at established teams. And you've got the Crusaders versus resurgent Blues. The Blues may come to something this season, but I'm sticking with Crusaders to begin the season, even though they're playing away. Yep. Um, the next game, Sunwolves versus Sharks is playing in Singapore. Uh, I'd love to tip the Sunwolves, but again, a lot of change there, a lot of good change. But who's the more established side? Uh, Sharks were a strong team last year. I'm going to back the Sharks, although I think it will be close. And there's definitely room for the Sharks to completely capitulate. Uh, then we've got at Pretor- in Pretoria, Loftus Fursfield, Vodacom Bulls, I think, will get up over the Stormers. Two sides who I thought struggled at times last year. I think the Bulls ended up lower down the ladder, but um, I think, again, home game early in South Africa. I don't see much between these teams. I'm going to take the home side. And finally, we've got the Haguaris without Nick Sanchez versus the Lions, and this might be the toughest tip for this week. Uh, I'm going to go the home side in Haguaris. Missing Sanchez is a huge, huge gap, uh, but there's still a world-class side. There's still most of the Argentinian national side there, and the Lions travelling last year, I think they had some amazing victories but also some bad losses so uh even though they're a very quality side i'm going to tip the haguaras but i think i'll probably be on the opposite side to you guys on that one fair enough all right thanks for joining us leo we'll, we'll keep it going from here um but thanks for those tips toby what do you think about that blues blues crusaders game that's one that in past years would have been an absolute cracker the blues you've you've touted them as being a bit better this year they've got a new coach and leo mcdonald coming in to join them there they've got ma nonu back I think they'll need some time, but I think they will be much improved. Um, Crusaders too strong. Look, I don't, I don't know if they're going to rest anyone early on this in the season, based on you know trials and things like that. Whether they're going to rotate more players in and out in a World Cup year, but Crusaders are, I would say, the most settled team in Super Rugby. They're back-to-back title winners, and they're going for a three-peat. I think they're going to be the best team this year. And I think the Blues could give them a bit of a scare maybe early on if they start fast. But, look, I think nothing too much phases the Crusaders. I think they will get the win. And I think, you know, it'll probably be by at least 10 points. Yeah. You have to you have to think Crusaders have been the world's... Well, so many super titles in a row now. They're perennial champions. So I don't think they're going to get taken taken for surprise by the Blues. Um, what about that Sunwolf Sharks game in Singapore? This is an interesting one, and the Sharks may be a little bit disappointing last year, and I'm not sure if they're going to improve too much. Um, They're they're a bit slow in terms of starting the season as well. And I think the Sunwolves might be really up for this one. I think they're bolstered by the guys that have been brought in, some of the Kiwi guys. I think Tony Brown will have them firing. I think the humidity will play a part. Um, maybe that kind of more familiar stadium for the Sunwolves. I think actually led by the super boot that is... Hayden Parker. Hayden Parker, there we go. Hayden Parker, I think, led by him, I think that the Sunwolves could get a narrow victory over the Sharks. And, you know, I think overall the Sharks will probably have a better year than the Sunwolves, but I can see this one going the way of uh, the Moondogs. I 
I have to say, I'd love to see him win. I don't think this early in the season they're going to have it quite together with a few of those new faces. Um, but I think it'll be a close one. It does seem to be... They do seem to love an upset um, up there in Singapore. They get behind us, so there'll be a good crowd there to watch them. Uh, I'll take the Sharks this, this time. And then we go to the South African games. Um, Bulls Stormers is that first one. And tough one to pick, I think, here. I mean, both these teams showed glimpses of being a bit better last year, but then sort of faded away at different times. They've both got some young talent sort of through their teams. Um, Bulls obviously led by Andre Pollard, but they've they've lost their sort of coaching um, maestro in John Mitchell, who's head off to England. Yeah, this is a really tough one to pick, probably for mine the toughest of the weekend. I don't know enough probably about these two teams, and I, I got a bit of a handle on them last year, but people have been saying that the Stormers are really going to fall off this year, so... It makes me kind of side with the Bulls a little bit, and they, they kind of were the up-and-coming team last year from South Africa, probably overperforming a little bit. You know, Andre Pollard is a quality ten. He's he's really good at kind of directing them around the park. Um, but I I'll probably have to see the team sheets. I think I'll probably go with the Bulls. They're at home, obviously at at altitude. Um, look, I think it's going to be a really even game, but I'll I'll probably end up going with the Bulls. Yeah, I think I agree. The Bulls most likely, especially if they've got their full-strength team, they've got Lou Diaga and they've got um, their other massive second rower in there. They make a big difference. And, yeah, led around by Andre Pollard and Odendal um, in the centres as well is always helpful for them. And uh, the the Ghost, the Ghost and um, and their fullback, uh, I can't even remember his name now. I just remember the commentators last year. What's his name? What's his name? Uh, one second. I'm going to find it. I need to know this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's his name? Gallant. Warwick Gallant. No, War- Warwick Gallant. Warwick Gallant. Yeah, they, they will hear that. You hear that about 75 <laughs> times. Gallant. Gallant. Warwick Gallant. He's on the... I mean, he does do some interesting stuff, and he's a good player. But yeah, I, look, the Bulls, the Bulls are an interesting one because I think they are still developing, and... I did call them the Junior Lions last year, so let's see if they can take the next step. Speaking of the Lions, what do you think of that, that Haguaras Lions one? Do you think the Lions will maintain what they've been doing for the last couple of years, or is this the year they do start to fall off? I think this is. I think we saw a bit of a rot last year with the Lions. Um, you know, I know. I know they did end up getting to the final, um, but yeah, I think look, their window is is quickly closing now they've they've lost i think i think they've lost yako krill i'm pretty sure yep. they've lost franco Mostert. second rower franco Mostert. yeah um maybe one or two other guys they've lost um i can't see them getting over the top of the Haguares. i think the Haguares are going to be primarily focused on really building this team towards the world cup they've got really solid combinations i know they've lost they've lost their 10 um but at the same time, I think they'll be good enough. I think they have enough talent there that the Lions travelling over to Argentina, it's all, always a bit of a hostile environment. Um, again, I don't think this will be a blowout by any means. I think that there will be a close game. Um, but I see, I think the Jaguares improving this year again, and I think that they're going to top the South African Conference and they're going to beat the Lions in this one. See, I was thinking Haguaris as well for the many of the same reasons you had. But what I have been noticing is, and I don't think we've really ever talked about it on this podcast, is there is an America's Rugby Championship going on at the moment, which Argentina are a part of. And a lot of the members of the Argentinian squad are in that team. They're, it's definitely not their first line team. Um, but I think it, it may split up the squad enough that it might cause a little bit of disruption. Um, in that camp, and I'm not sure the Haguaris are going to be quite ready to go uh, for this week. So I'm I'm actually going to tip the away team um, in this and tip the Lions just just on the back of knowing that the the Haguaris might be a little bit split between two sort of concentrations at the moment. That's some good intel. I had no idea that was going on. Um, yeah, look, we need to be paying more attention, obviously, but I think yeah, look, <clears throat> Lions they still have a lot of talent there. I just think that they're on the decline. But like you say, if the Haguaros are missing three or four key guys, um, yeah, it could be even closer. And the, the Lions can score points, so out wide they're very dangerous. If they get a sniff and they get 
their confidence throughout the game. They're very much a confidence team. And even though they've lost these consecutive finals, I think they're still going to be very much fired up and, and be backing themselves. I think someone like Quagga Smith really leads the team around well. Um, and he kind of embodies that lion spirit. So they're never going to lie down in any sort of game. And if they get a sniff in this one, they could easily win it. So, yeah, look, I, I can't really you know, criticize your pick there, Arch. I think um, I'm, I'm going to probably wait, as we always do, to lock in our tips at the last minute with these team sheets because it is important to see these lineups, particularly in a new season where we're still trying to get to know you know, some of the ways that the coaches are thinking in terms of their selection. So it's yeah. going to be interesting week one. I think they usually come out Thursday, yeah. most of these lineups. So probably wait to lock in your tips on Superbrew till then. Yeah, exactly. And as we said, remember to join up Superbrew and join our pool. We'll put a bit more... If, can we put up a bit of a post on Instagram, something to show people what, what they need to do for that and make sure people come and tip against us and see what they can do, I think. Yeah, we'll get the, the the post up with all the details. It's a public league, so anyone can join. So tell your friends, um, get amongst it. It's uh, I think it'll be called the Running Rugby Pod Pool. Um, and yeah, we'll have all the details there. It's an interesting system on Superbrew. We've kind of been you know loving it more and more, where you get to pick the margins for every game. So mm-hmm. you get certain bonus points and margin points, things like that. So it really does add an extra element to tipping. Um, so we've gone away a little bit from footytips.com.au towards uh, Superbrew. So, you know, I encourage people to get amongst it. It's uh, always an interesting season and you're never out of the game because you can pick a margin and really, you know, climb up the ladder pretty quickly. That's right. That's right. So that's Super Rugby for round one. Can't wait to see that. Um, we, we did talk a bit about Six Nations two weeks ago in our last podcast and we've had a couple of shocks in that. We... I don't think any of us picked that England was going to upset Ireland in Dublin in the first round. They took that 32-20. They came out strong and, yeah, got Ireland on the back foot. And they backed that up by demolishing France just last week and Twickenham as well, which, I mean, poor form by me. I, I picked. I thought France might come and get the jump on them, but that definitely did not happen. I think they only scored three points in that. Yeah, I think Archie is sitting at four out of six correct tips at the moment, and I think Leo and I are sitting at five out of six based on the results at the moment. So, mate, you've still got time to fight back. You're only one behind. But, yeah, I think France, you never really know them. They're, they've still got a quality team, but England just seem like they're really hitting their straps again. Mm. Um, and they've kind of dug themselves out of the hole that they were in last year a little bit. Um, Eddie Jones is, seems to be making the right selections, I think, Tuolangi coming back to really help them in the midfield. Um, Farrell at 10, so you've got rid of George Ford out of that starting lineup. I think yeah. that's as well helped a lot. And they've just got so much pace and, and flair out wide that they can score so many tries. And when their forward pack is dominating like it is at the moment, all teams except maybe Ireland and the All Blacks that stand little chance, particularly at Twickenham. So in France, you, you can't blame them too much for losing like that, but um, you'll... I think as soon as you write France off, they'll fight back. And they've got Scotland in a couple of weeks' time, so they'll need to be fired up for that one back at home in Paris. Yeah, that's right. But there's been a bit of a, uh, questions of a revolt among players against the French coach, and they're not really liking what he's doing for the team at the moment. But we'll have to wait and see how that plays out over this sort of bye week for everyone. Um, Ireland bounced back after... yeah. So I was just going to quickly say as well that there was some weird suggestion that Bastro is now way too slow and he needs to play in the back row for France. So yeah, there's there's lots of there's lots of weird chat going on at the moment. Um, obviously, Bastro has been linked to to South African Super Rugby as well in the future, and we'll see more of him. But yeah, France France a little bit in in um, shambles, but I think they'll fight back. Look, they're a passionate team, and as long as those guys get out in the park, I think they can still get a couple of results in the, the coming weeks. Mm. Well, it's interesting looking at that and looking at sort of Six Nations and how that compares to the World Cup later in the year. And you'll see last time France uh, back in New Zealand when they made the finals, that was actually in a year that they did terribly at Six Nations. So they're definitely one of those teams that can turn it around and turn it around quickly. Um, speaking, of turning, yeah, definitely. speaking of turning it around... Um, Ireland managed to come back and take and get the win over Scotland this weekend. Uh, definitely sounds like there was a bit of controversy up there at Murrayfield, a few refereeing sort of 
um, disagreements in terms of how often the third uh, TMO was was used and whether they were um, in the ear with some things and and not checking something other things in terms of obstructions uh, to people like Stuart Hogg in the game and things. Yeah, and no, I mean Ireland look. It's always hard to, to get a win up there at Murrayfield, but they only won by nine points. So this Six Nations competition more generally is quite close. Wales only got over Italy by 11. Crucially, there's the game in a couple of weeks' time, which we'll probably preview next week, Wales versus England. That's a massive game in the context of the Six Nations because Wales have the tendency to upset England at mm. crucial times. So keep an eye out for that one, but we'll, we'll give you a full preview on that next week. Yeah, so... At the moment, as we said, it's England and Wales on top. Um, England with two bonus points, so they at the head, Wales on their heels. Um, but yeah, it will really come down to that to see whether Wales can upset England to stop them getting that grand slam. Other things that we should probably mention, I uh, mentioned a bit up the top of that. We saw that Falau signed on for four more years and Bernie Larkham's um, being let go as Australia's attacking coach. The first, the first coach of the Wallabies that's sort of suffered a little bit of reaction from the results of last year? Yeah, it's it's tough on Larkin because he, he is a quality coach, I think, and he's got a really good rugby mind. Um, I tend to think, I know that the Wallabies didn't score maybe as many points as they usually would last year. Their, their offensive totals were down quite a lot. But from my perspective, I think, look, if Larkin's to be fired or he's been fired now, I think Gray should have followed as well. Um, but I think there's been probably a little bit more clashing of the minds between Checker and, and Larkham in the way that they want to play. And I think, you know, because Checker's been able to retain his job and someone someone kind of had to fall in this whole system, I think because of that probably clashing in mindset, I think that it had to be Larkham to go. And it's probably Checker who's made that call rather than Rugby Australia. Um, but I think there has been, you know, there's going to be an interesting um, decision for them to make going forward about who comes in and who's mm. going to be leading that attack for the Wallabies. Will it be a young gun like Matt Gitto? Will it be some of, you know an older head to come in like an Ella brother to kind of oversee the Wallabies' attack? There's not a whole lot of options. Even you know someone like Daryl Gibson has been suggested in terms of him coming in after the Waratah season to work with Checker once again and try and get that attack firing. So it's watch the space for someone who's going to step in because there's not much time um, till the World Cup really now in the scheme of things. And there's only, you know, I think probably five or six games the Wallabies play before that tournament. So it's, um, yeah, time's of the essence right now. But, yeah, I don't really know which way they're going to go with it. Yeah, well, it's a bit of a weird position because obviously Larkin was touted as Checker's successor. Checker's sound like he was grooming him, but then there's been a bit more of a disagreement in ways um, between the two. And with Checker leaving at the end of the year, it sounds like it's a bit of a weird sort of fact because Larkin hasn't been dumped from Rugby Australia, he's still sort of been given a role overlooking sort of a lot of different areas of Australian rugby, which makes me think, Rugby Australia still are interested in him and his sort of coaching ability. I still think they may have made a mistake just giving him this sort of token role and not getting him into another coaching area. If I was Raylene Castle, I'd be like, look, we obviously like you. Let's send you off to learn from somewhere else, sort of one of the um, Heineken Cup teams or something for this season. Go sit back as an assistant coach there and get a bit more experience so you, you can come back in a year or two and take over the Wallabies. Yeah, that's true. And, I mean, they should be working harder to do that. I don't think necessarily him in the background there, more of a, a role that's probably a bit of a token role for him mm. compared to what he was, has been doing. I don't think that's particularly helpful. I think adding to his experience in a co- coaching capacity would be a lot more helpful. And you may find that if he if he stays in the role he is now with Rugby Australia and forfeits this season in term, terms of the European season... He may actually get snatched up towards the the end of this year, mm-hmm. and so then that kind of rules him out for a, the Wallabies' head coaching role maybe next year. So I'm not sure it's a good result for Australian rugby, but you know I think someone had to go under this system. It probably was the guy that I least suspected would would it would happen to, mm-hmm. but I think it comes down to the fact that Checker got his way 
with um, the coaching setup because he retained his head coaching role and he passed that kind of um, that kind of review that they had at the end of. Well, he passed the blame, but I think he passed. He managed to get through the Rugby Australia review in December last year, and and so he made that decision off the back of that. So, I think tough, tough for the Wallabies. But look, I think they'll make do with whoever comes in. Be interesting to see Matt Gitto, though. I think he, although he hasn't coached before, he knows the setup so well. He knows the players, and he has a obviously a very good rugby mind as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's a potential candidate, provided he's not tied up playing somewhere in Japan or something like that. Yeah, potentially. It's still weird that you sort of have that um, position that Scott Johnson been appointed to, and he's not even sort of here because he's still tied up with Scotland in the Six Nations, yet these sort of decisions are still being made and things down here. You wonder whether how much he has to do with it as well. Yeah, I think he should have a lot to do with it, and maybe they're going to little bit until he has you know more time on his hands to actually think mm. about these things because he's right in the middle of the six nations with scotland and he's got to fulfill his role for them um until that's over um and then he's going to be really you know, coming in hot for the wallabies so yeah it might be pushed back to like march late march or something like that for a final decision on who's going to take that role but uh, i'd hope that they get it done pretty quickly because this the person who comes in needs to kind of really start thinking about their strategies for for September or October, whenever the World Cup starts. Yeah, exactly. Um, The other thing we probably should mention is the Global Rapid Rugby's finally come out with a bit more information about um, their plans. Looks like there was, as we always thought, it was going to be tough to get this whole competition together in such a short period of time. Um, Twiggy Forest has come out and said that, look, they, they have a few of these teams signed on and ready, but they don't believe they can bring us the the polished product that they wanted to. So they're going to do another sort of showcase season with the force and probably another couple of these other teams like the South China Tigers and the Singapore-based teams to play a few showcase games all around sort of the region to give them a bit of a taste of what, what Rapid Rugby is going to bring in 2020. Yeah, look, I think it's, it's frustrating that the competition hasn't been able to get going but in the same way you don't want to rush these things if it's not ready it's not ready um you want all these teams with full squads and kind of coherent so i think you know having some some rugby this year is a good thing um we get a slight taste of of what this competition is going to hold with the new rules and things like that and then once the world cup's done and dusted we can kick off 2020 in probably february to correspond with super rugby we'll have Global Rapid Rugby as well, kicking off then hopefully, and it'll be a new and exciting competition um, without the distractions of the World Cup. So probably a lot more players coming off contract as well after a World Cup year, so they'll probably be able to snatch up a bit more of the talent as well. So yeah, it's probably true. a smart move on their part um, to be patient, but you know, from a fan's perspective, we always want some um, new and fresh rugby to watch. So. Let's just keep an eye out um, for these games with the Force and some of the other teams that are, are emerging. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how the world takes to these sort of new law changes. I'll be interested to see what, what these other teams have to offer as well. Um, that's probably all we need to really focus. It's been a bit of a longer one. So much stuff is happening in the world of rugby lately. Uh, but I just can't wait for this first round. This Brumbies Rebels game on Friday night should be a lovely introduction, a lovely taster into the season, um, building up to the Waratahs Hurricanes. And I know I'll be there um, at Brookvale on, on Saturday night to cheer on the Tars. Yeah, everyone get out there. I think, like you say, Arch, it's a, it's a big game. It's probably one of the best games of the season for the Tars here in Australia. So um, it's going to be an exciting and, and high-scoring match, I think. So get out there to Brookvale and, and really support the, the Waratahs and get behind Carmichael. I think he's going to have a big game. Yeah, want to see him. Want to see him really stand up and push for that Wallabies birth, um, or rebirth, I guess, uh, this year. Otherwise, guys, make sure you follow us on the social media accounts. Follow us on Facebook at Running Rugby Podcast and on uh, Instagram. You'll get a lot more extra content there, and you'll be able to see all the lineup changes and late news, as well as on Twitter as well. Uh, you might see a couple of people blowing up at us if we're <laughs> we're saying things again. Um, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, the two main ones, but we're on all major sort of apps for that as well. 
Um, keep a lookout for that tipping competition. Sign up to Superbrew and join us and see, see what you can do against us, guys. Uh, we'll, we'll be back next week with all the results of round one. Yeah, it's going to be a massive week. Let's see how sharp we are with our tips this early on in the season. I'm glad rugby's back. The NFL's gone. Super rugby's back. It's going to be a big year. Let's get behind it. Keep on running. Run.